everybody. I'm Emily. I'm Larry. And this is Planet and God. And we are going through our Christmas reading challenge. Excellent. What are we reading? Through the book of John. Oh, which chapter are we And on? we are on chapter 13. Yee. So we're more than halfway through. I don't remember if I read that one. Well, you better have. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Surprise. Oh. More than halfway already? More than halfway. Wow. That's awesome. So, uh, this chapter, are you ready to dive in or do you have like pre-thought? Wow, you're, you're learning finally. More than halfway in. I'm messing up on day 11. No, I'm good. Let's dive in. Okay. What are we doing here? So, the very beginning of the chapter, we find out it's before the feast of the Passover. Yep. And we are, they're getting ready to have the Last Supper. Yes. Well, they're getting ready to have the Passover feast. Yes. Yeah. So, like, just before the Passover, like, maybe hours before, they actually they go eat. into it. Right. They're doing, like, a big meal. Yeah, well, it's Passover. Verse 2 says, and supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I think that this is an important thing to realize that Judas allowed yeah. the devil to have influence over his heart to betray Jesus. Yeah, Judas entertained the idea of betraying Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we'll see later that that entertainment of the idea goes into full-on possession. It's actually, it's it's crazy to see it happening. Yeah, I just wanted to make, like, that's an important thing to see because later, which we'll get to because it's in this chapter, yeah. <laughs> it says that Satan, you know, basically possesses him at that point. Right. Uh, but that, you can't, it's a, it's something that you have to allow. allow right? right. It's something that you have to be willing he was a willing, like you said. Yes, he was a willing participant in all of it. And I, I really think a lot of this have keys back to a couple chapters ago when you have the anointment of Jesus, that alabaster of oil, it would have been 300 denarii. He's thinking, I could have pocketed that. Why didn't she sell it so that I could have it? Right. Uh, he's not thinking, oh, you give it to the poor. We could have given it to the poor. He's thinking, my pocketbook. Yeah. But yeah, Jesus, Judas entertains the idea and that entertainment, like like we said, just builds and builds and builds. Yeah, so... The same thing as you're alluding to with us. Right. If we entertain an evil thought or an evil idea, it's only going to grow and grow and that evil thought will soon become an evil action, will soon become, become, become. Yes. Even so, worse. Just that'd be a good thing to yeah. point out. And it's interesting to point out here. Because later, like you said, later, we see Satan entering into him. So, it's, it, it, this is just showing that this is already in motion. Right. Well, he says, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas. Which means, he is, his heart's already in this position of, I'm going to do something. Yeah. Right? Whether he knows what he's going to do or not. It's something. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we go a little bit further down and we see that where Jesus is getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. Right. And this is a 
really this is a picture and kind of what Jesus is getting at here. You know, it's, it goes back to the physical, spiritual conversation Jesus always has with people. He's even still now having this. I with totally Peter. noted that too. Yeah. Back to the physical spirit, which we kind of paused on that for right a, for a little bit. A little bit. And yeah. here it is again, and this is a a picture of our spiritual cleansing. Mm -hmm. Jesus is showing us that essentially there is nothing that we can do. Right, because it goes back to how Peter responds in yes. that um, situation, yep. where he's like. Well, no, you can't wash my feet because in that time, washing someone's feet was a like a servant's it job. It was the lowest mm -hmm. of servants' jobs. And then Jesus is like, well, then you can have no part of me. And then he's like, well, just wash all of me exactly. then. <laughs> Paraphrased by me. No, no, that is exactly <laughs> what he says. So, you know, and at that point, Jesus is like, you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Right? Going back to this. The is, spiritual or, conversation that, right. that Jesus is that. There's nothing we can do for ourselves. Yeah. And and it's interesting because we'll see this later with Peter again, that he still doesn't understand. And Jesus has to kind of put him through a humbling experiment, experience in order for him to understand. Doesn't it make you feel better, though, that like, like God is patient with us? And just like Jesus is so patient with Peter. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we, I'm sure, do the same things. And it's or just, similar, it's so yeah. comforting to know that he's so patient with us. He's patient with Peter. And he's like, it's okay, you'll get there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, further down, we see that uh, Jesus is our example. He was the, being an example to the disciples. Yeah. And that he's also an example to us, showing us that no one is greater than the other either in that yeah, situation. That's the whole underlying message of this is that the disciples were to one love one another as he is showing love towards them. They were to be it's it's selfless. Yeah. The love that we are to share with each other. It even goes so and it's further in the chapter, it might even be in fourteen actually. No, it is, it's further in the chapter. Like what happens at the foot washing event carries down into the rest of the evening's conversation. Yeah, it says... It just all kind of flows I think it's down. 15. Verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So it just... It carries and, down. Right. Yeah. The conversation carries. Yeah. From that event. Yes. Yeah. But before we get to get into that, you have verses 17 through 30, Jesus noting that not all of them are clean. Even though he's right. washed their feet, contextually they are clean. He washed all of them. Right. Feet. Goes back to the heart of right. Judas. It goes back to that physical, spiritual conversation, mm -hmm. and the heart of Judas. He's who he's referring to. Right. Judas is not spiritually clean. Jesus uh, reveals that there's a betrayal, betrayal coming. He does this in advance so that they may believe that Jesus is the I Am. Yeah. He is God. He knows that this betrayal is going to cause some to doubt. Because this betrayal is going to lead to his death. So he's saying these things to both encourage them 
and to build their faith so that they realize, oh, this isn't for naught. This isn't for loss. What's they great about all this too is that Jesus is going to be dying soon and his thoughts are on his disciples, yeah. which I think is just shows his it's character selfless, and right. right his it's, love for them. He's, well, he is, the, he is the example of the love that we are to have with one another. As believers in Christ, we are to have that selfless love and always be caring for each other. Yeah. And that is, he's our prime example. We're going to fail all the time because we're not God, but we can at least try. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yep. So then we get into the actual, um, after the washing of the feet. And the description of the betrayal, we get into Jesus actually talking about who the betrayer is, right? He says that he's going to, uh, in verse 26, Jesus replied, it is the one whom I will give this piece of bread after I've dipped it in the dish. Then he dipped the piece of bread in the dish and gave it to Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. What's interesting is that that act of giving a piece of bread, a morsel of bread, especially at a feast like this, was more so an act, a, a gesture for an honored guest. Right? That is something that you would do for, this is my honored guest. Right? You do that to that one person. And in this act, I really believe that Jesus is trying to show love towards Judas and maybe by some way, shape, or form, bring him back into repentance. To yeah. repent of what he's about to do. But, I mean, we see that he doesn't. The devil had already put it into his heart and into his mind, as we had saw earlier. Uh, you know, at first it was a merely a suggestion. Then Judas entertains that suggestion, agrees to it and allows the devil to take control. Um, and knowing all of this, because Jesus is God in the flesh, he tells him to go do it quickly. Uh, he's, he's not ex encouraging evil, Jesus, when he says that. Rather, he's expressing sorrow over it. Just get it over with. Yeah. I found it really interesting that no one at the table knew, though. Yeah. Because he, if you read through that section, it's almost as if they're talking and they're conversing back and forth, but, but that they don't realize. They don't realize what's happening. Jesus just told them plainly who yeah. the betrayer is, but then they're like, oh, I don't really know who the betrayer is. Jesus being silly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is interesting how they don't, they but don't understand. But imagine if they would have known. Oh, yeah. How would they have responded at that point then? Yeah. Would some of them have followed him, tried to stop him? Was you know what I mean? Right. And then the fulfillment Wouldn't of prophecy. Happened. Right. Yeah. So, but that my brain kind of went to, well. Why huh. don't they under, yeah. That, but, but also what it, maybe, what if they had known? What if they really, truly did understand, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but that just really goes to how all the things that we've seen previously, how, Things happened. Jesus said said something, but they don't understand in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then later they come to a place of understanding. And this is similar in this this spot. They don't understand for a reason, but later they'll come to an understanding that that was to fulfill prophecy. Yeah. And then I, I like how John 
ends this section with this little footnote that now it was night. I don't know if you noticed, but there's this little sub-theme of light versus darkness throughout John's Gospel. And here, we're seeing that not only is it physically dark, it is night, but it is a spiritually dark moment. Judas has gone out to betray the Messiah. This is spiritually dark because evil works at night. Yeah, it's truly heartbreaking too because you want so badly for Judas to repent. Yeah, and to change his ways and to not do it, but you know, we know it has to happen for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Then we see the new commandment. Yes, 31 through 38. Which we kind of talked about already. <laughs> right. We get into this new commandment that Jesus uh, gives. I want to look at verse 31, though, really quick, because um, there's Jesus says something that might, might confuse some people, so I want to try and shed, shed some light on it. Sorry, jumped too far. Yeah, it's okay. We'll get there. <laughs> Uh, verse 31 reads, When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. When he's talking about this being glorified, he's referring to the work of redemption that Jesus Christ is about to accomplish. Though his death may seem like a defeat, um, it means that lost, lost sinners can come to him for forgiveness. It is also followed by the resurrection and the ascension back into heaven, which is how he is glorified. He dies, feels like defeat, but it isn't because there's actually victory in his death. I think it's, a, it's very thoughtful too because right, God's working even though we don't see him working. Oh yeah. It's that kind of concept. Right. He's working behind the scenes. Yeah. And then, yeah, 34 through 35 gives us the new commandment that we are to love one another as Jesus has loved them. Uh, he demonstrated their, their, that love by washing their feet earlier, that conversation flowing down. Mm -hmm. As I have loved you, you love one another, right? This is the mark of true Christian fellowship is that we have love for one another. I think John really captures that in his other epistles, first second and third John mm -hmm. really go into that love for one another that we're supposed to have. Then we get into verses 36 to 38, which yep. wraps Close up, up the chapter. Yep, wraps up the chapter. Um, and this is really Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. Yes. And we see here Peter is asking Jesus the question, Lord, where are you going? Right? I mean, Jesus responds, well, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you shall follow me afterward. Um, which he's made this statement, similar, a similar one before. Yes, but, um, this, but to the Pharisees, to the Pharisees, not to his disciples. In this case, though, he's making that statement directly to Peter. And what he's essentially describing is how Peter will follow him later, speaking and referring to Peter's own death. Right, because I think he is crucified. He is. Um, similarly to Jesus, but I, don't they? He's upside, upside down. down. Yes. Yeah. So then in verse 37, um, Peter says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And I look at this as a very bold statement yes. from Peter. He's, he's, he's essentially expressing this devotion, enthusiasm, 
and willingness to die for the Lord now, but really the way that Jesus responds to him is like, no, you are going to deny me because you're not there. It is not in your own strength that you can follow me. And that's really key for us, I think, to understand. And also, too, too, like, Jesus prayed that the Lord would protect the disciples. And if he wouldn't have, he may not have been protected in that way either. Right. So you can see kind of the um, God working in that also. But you also see Peter making a statement that he's not ready to make, like you said. Yeah. And how often do we do something like that, right? Right. make statements that we're not thinking about before we say them and not always in response to like God, but sometimes just even with our friends in general, right? We just make a statement and we're um, not ready to follow through with it. Right. And it just goes back to, we need to be watchful of what we're saying and how we're saying it. And also thinking about the Lord and the things of the Lord. And we want to make sure that our motivation is true and right. Yep. Because Peter's motivation isn't there. His motivation is in his own strength. I will follow you, Jesus, to the ends because I have the strength to follow you. And Jesus is like, no, actually, you're going to fail because you have to fail so that I can restore you later. Yeah. Right? He's he's reminding Peter that it is not within Peter's power to follow God. It is within God's power for Peter to follow God. Yeah, so... Jesus is giving him a glimpse of what's going to happen, and then when we get to we get to see that prophecy yeah, uh, fulfilled, fulfilled a little bit later, a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, Not literally a few hours, but, but in the book. In the book, hours. it's like a few hours later from when Jesus actually says this. Yeah. So, but that pretty much wraps up this chapter. You got anything else? No, that's it. All right. Uh, just again. Continue to examine yourself and where your walk is with the Lord. Are you resting secure in Him or not? Yep, and we can't wait to see you tomorrow with chapter 14. 14. Brilliant. 14 on the 14th. See ya. Bye.